Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hey, this is Laurel. Welcome back to another podcast, another episode of Laurel's Real Money Talks, a podcast that talks about how to make money, keep money, invest it, use a team. And this whole fall, we've really been focused on generational wealth building and helping families really see what a legacy can be designed for. And today I have actually an estate lawyer with us. Uh, she's actually a client, part of our big table. Bonnie Fawcett is an estate planning attorney and software founder, helping families and their advisors get all their ducks in a row to leave behind an organized legacy. Uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, statistically only 2.3 years is what it takes to blow an entire legacy. Uh, because so much of it is unplanned. So having seen so much heartbreak and hassle when uh, the, the mess is left behind to the kids, Bonnie's number one mission is to help families organize their legacy with ease and without friction. So welcome. Thank you, Laurel. Excited to be here. So give us a little backstory about you, know, you Bonnie. How, like, I think it's always interesting how people arrive in their careers and their excellence and you know, what, what had you walk this way? That's a great question. It's actually kind of funny because I am a trained attorney licensed in three states. And now what I focus on mostly is software and helping people with their legacy and estate planning when it comes to software and technology to help them and their family organize it and, and keep everything straight. So my journey has been that for about 10 years, I was an estate planning attorney. I worked with hundreds of families throughout Colorado, Texas, and New Mexico. And I also handled a fair share of my number of probate matters and trust administrations. And what I saw on the planning side was how easy it is for uh, potentially a client working with another attorney to think everything is done, everything is going to work out how they think, only when I'm handling the back end on the admin side to see how, things like how you said, you know, inheritances can be blown up in 2.3 years because it wasn't done in the way the person thought it was for their young adult children or, um, you know, disgruntled beneficiaries, things like that not being taken care of properly to, to keep things efficient and protected for your family members. So it's really easy to accidentally end up in a disorganized, chaotic mess. And add on top of that, just this, the sad fact of, you know, you're also dealing with a death and you're dealing with grieving. Uh, and so it's, it's really uh, become my mission in life to figure out how can I create and share technology that helps families do everything related to their legacy and their estate planning in a way that's organized, that's accessible for the people who need it after you pass and in a way that is uh, just transparent with your loved ones. So, Bonnie, describe the difference between, you know, organizing your legacy, you know, versus estate planning. There's a, that there's is a, a fine line. There's a fine line. So it's a fine line. <laughs> there is a fine line. But, you know, I really the generational wealth conference in a way like your agenda, your speakers really capture where that fine line is. Legacy is about so much more than legal documents. Legal documents are important. Everyone needs those. So I'm not I'm not discounting that whatsoever. You need that legal base of documents that captures your wishes appropriately, properly, how you intend. But legacy is, a, is so much more than that. As Tom Ziegler talked about, a legacy is something you leave in 
someone, whereas an inheritance is something you leave to someone. Now, both are important. And so what I mean by organize your legacy is not to have your legal ducks in a row. You still need to do that. You still need to be working with your attorney to do that, but you need to have the information available easily um, and accessible to your loved ones. So a will, a trust, a power of attorney, a guardianship document, again, all necessary, but the, those documents aren't going to do their work if they're not available in a, a place that's organized, that's intuitive for someone to navigate who, again, is dealing with grieving or a death in the family in that moment. So you need both the legal documents and then you need a way to share them and add along with it additional information, ways of you might have written, you know, your values in a letter of instruction for your trustee, having all that in a bundle available in one place. And these days online, password protected and secure, but accessible when needed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So how do you provide the, the legal services? I mean, how is it different, I guess, than working with an estate planning attorney? Because you're in three states. Right. So yeah, tell us about that whole network. And I know you're part of uh, what Scott and I have with the generational wealth system. So talk about how that all works together. Yes, definitely. So what I like to emphasize is uh, organizemylegacy.com. There's a client vault there. That is not legal services in and of itself. I am not your attorney. For example, attorneys have to be licensed state by state. They need to be licensed in the state where you live in order to do your estate plan. So this is not a substitute for doing your estate planning at all. This is a way to make it easier for you, for you to go ahead and start documenting what you're thinking about for that professional advisor you're working with, whether generational wealth solutions or your own attorney or a combination of both. You need to make sure that you're starting to actually think through decisions that your advisors are gonna ask you to make because if you've never even thought through, okay, well, who is just a small group of people in your life who you might name somewhere in your plan as a trustee, as a power of attorney, as a guardian for your kids. If you haven't even started to put that short list of say five to seven people together and in a meeting, you're suddenly prompted to not only name five to seven people, but start deciding which role they're in and in which order is very overwhelming. So organizemylegacy.com, the client vault starts getting you thinking about the questions that you're going to need to decide on with your advisor anyway. And then you can actually capture them. You can save them. You can come back to them. You can change them. And in the case of Generational Wealth Solutions, they are also using, you guys are also using the vault behind Organize My Legacy. So anything captured there, Scott's team can turn around and your team can turn around and access as needed from the estate planning side of things. So you still work with an attorney, you still work with advisors, but it doesn't matter if you were you know, working with them and didn't have Organize My Legacy, you're still going to be asked the same questions that Organize My Legacy goes ahead and prompts you to start thinking about and capturing and saving again, online in a secure place. So inside the vault, let's talk about the vault. Um, how, how does it actually work? Do, do they put up all the documents? Do you let your lawyer put up the documents? Talk about kind of the whole service. And I think, you know, given the days of technology, you know, just having everything in a safe and only with a few people, uh, those are days long, go long gone by. <laughs> right, right. Please don't just store everything in paper in a safe deposit box, you know, in a basement of a bank. Um, that's not going to work so well anymore. You definitely need digital copies. So the way that you use the vault, it depends on if you just start as, you know, a parent, a single individual trying to be responsible about what you have. If you're sitting down and starting in that place, you would go to organize my legacy and you're prompted to actually go through 
an intake form. That's what we call it. Not the fanciest of names, you know, but it's a form where you start actually cataloging things about you, whether it's you, your spouse or partner, uh, prior marriages, your children, your assets, any debts you have, people you're considering naming in your plan, and maybe even charities you're considering supporting as part of your estate plan. So you just start capturing all that. The system intuitively walks you through putting that data in and saving it. And you can save and log out and return to it later. It's very easy to like save and come back to it at any time. And so you'll be prompted to move through kind of a, a, an experience of inputting your data that makes sense, that's accessible, and that doesn't feel overwhelming. Now, if you were to start with an attorney first and not even know about what we're talking about, not even know about the vault or anything, then your attorney would share the vault with you and you would be going through the exact same experience with the intake form. But what's really cool from there is after you get what I call, the, that's just your client information. That's just things about you that no one else knows. No one actually knows what's on your driver's license. You know that, that's your legal name. So you would type that in. So no one you know, outside in the world would know, you know, well, what are all four of your children's legal names and their dates of birth? You know that, that's what the intake form is about. Once you get past that point though, more of the view starts to open up about like, okay, well you named, Julie or Timothy in your vault. So now that you now that we know you've named them in your intake form here in in uh, this expanded view now of everything that you need to know for estate planning. Now let's talk about well who should be your order of trustees. Do you want Julie first or Timothy first or maybe others that you listed? And now you can start kind of putting people almost like a puzzle, like putting them in their right place based on what you know, you know, might be the ideal role for different people in your family. So you're walking through the same kind of experience online as you would with an advisor. And then you can just show it to them. You can say, hey, here are my choices or have them guide you if you need to finalize a few choices. And they can use that then to create the legal documents and other parts of your planning that, you know, get enshrined in documents. They can use everything in your vault in that way and <clears throat> excuse me so all the family members can have access appropriate to what their role is um mm -hmm. but continue like talk some about the conflict i mean there's there's some big things that you see over and over and over like if you would say these are the top issues or uh you know complications we see families go through um, speak to those a little bit and how families can navigate making decisions Yes. Yeah. So, so to answer the first part of your question, we have a collaboration feature where you can add advisors, you can add loved ones, um, uh, other, other people in your family where you want them to know the information. You can add them as view only access to your information, which then just, again, solves the issue of lack of transparency about your plan and what it says and what happens. The last thing you want is to leave everything behind. You think it's all organized and you think that, of course, everyone would understand your intent. I promise you, if you're not there to explain it, when you're not there to explain it, different people are going to have different ways that they interpret what you did. And it's not all going to be pleasant or, uh, you know, in sync by any means. And so the nice thing about this is not only does it capture your legal documents, you can upload your documents, your advisors and attorneys upload documents as a client portal in that way of sharing documents. Not only can you share documents, but there are places to actually indicate choices and in, in, in your data and things like that, where it's not just about the documents, it's about uh, a, an easy representation of what the legal jargon says. People who are not attorneys get caught up in the legal jargon, what it says, you know, raises questions for them. Like, I don't know how to read this. I'm too scared to read this. I need to hire somebody. Whereas the vault is meant to be plain English, accessible. Anyone can see your choices in an easy to read format right there, which will minimize conflict just from the standpoint of lack of transparency and communication 
another big way to minimize conflict is to talk about this. And you really emphasize this at the Generational Wealth Conference through a number of your speakers mm -hmm. to talk about your legacy, your planning, your intent uh, before anything happens. And so this is a way to reinforce with technology that you need to be having that conversation about legacy. Now you can't put it off. You can't wait. Otherwise I promise, cause I've seen it happen in probate matters. I've handled, I've handled bizarre and interesting ones um, where people, people are just certain they know what that person thought before they died. And yet I'll also talk to someone else in the family who is absolutely certain that person thought the opposite of what the other one thinks. And so you can really never know. So think of uh, the software really as a tool to reinforce, you know, what you're actually trying to do, which is to have that legacy conversation now, not later. And so let's just talk about some like bigger families or families that, uh, whether they're blended, uh, but they have a range of say kids or folks that are going to get the, you know, be, be the survivors and the beneficiary of a big trust. What are the top, I mean, clearly money, I, I think money and assets, like I've just uh, helped one of our big table clients get through a 15 to $17 million settlement. That was just a family war between, you know, two brothers. Um, so money and assets are part of it, but what, what are the other things that just first consideration? I mean, I want you that are listening to the podcast to walk away and say, you know, this isn't a small conversation. It's actually a very serious conversation because why would you create any wealth? Like I would, you know, say, as you heard me say many times, Bonnie, why even create a hundred thousand if you're gonna let it go to the state and get 50%, you know, taken away to probate. So right. I, I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, any level of people that have any, uh, amassed any level of money to to really walk through this properly. But what what are the big issues that you're always seeing the families fight about? Is it really just money and assets or what else do you see? You know, that's a really good question. Um, that That's a big one. And, and by assets, I, I'm going to presume like larger things like homes, businesses, that kind of thing, the big retirement account. Uh, what, what tends to be argued over as well, are honestly also the small things it's the, the things that have sentimental value, but otherwise, you know, no value out in the world. There are always not, I shouldn't say always, but many times without really clear guidance and conversation that conversations that happened before death, family members are fighting over the sentimental things. So that's incredibly important to plan ahead and to add. I like adding as, as much explanation as possible in my plan. Like, of course, I've done my own plan. I have six kids, one more on the way, blended family. Like I have a lot I need to explain, not just put in legal documents. I want to guide my family as to why the legal documents say what they do. And so for uh, my items where they're sentimental and in value only, but matter very much to my children, and I've outlined why it is I gave my daughter Eva this certain item versus Alex this one. And it it really helps then the family just understand that you first you put a lot of thought into it, which they want to honor. I've noticed families want to honor someone's intent if it's actually like proven what that person's intent was through a video or through a letter or something like that. Another thing that families tend to argue over, and this is a little bit more, you know, pre-death is, is simply the, the way that a person's last days are managed through a medical power of attorney, through advanced healthcare directives, a living will, if you don't have those types of things outlined as well, and you're the one in that situation where you're nearing your death to, to I mean, to just call it what it is. I know people don't like to talk yep. about death, yep. but that's what we're here to do is to talk about that moment when everything's done and nothing can change is if you don't outline what you want, your wishes very clearly, family members will argue over it in those final days, causing more stress during an otherwise stressful time. 
and by the way, will argue over it for decades to come, re-litigating re the situation for years and decades thereafter. So that doesn't relate to assets at all. It just relates to their life experience with you. And to the extent you can clarify that ahead of time, that will really minimize kind of the fallout that can happen thereafter, such as like, well, if they're arguing over that, they might as well argue over assets. They might as well tie up the estate. You know, why do they care anymore? Every Nothing went, you know, the way that anyone might've thought might've been easy or planned or transparent. So why not just make everything difficult? So talk a little bit about like the giving the family access to the vault. What is the vault? What's organized my uh, mylegacy.com? Talk a little bit about that. And I want to shift gears for the rest of our uh, podcast to the the extended team that we shared at Generational Wealth. But let's let's clarify the vault in this section of our conversation. Yes. So if you're the one to sign up and set up your own vault, for you, it's fully editable. You upload anything, you can download anything, you can enter data, save it, come back, delete the data if needed, or revise it, edit, save, that kind of thing. For family members, for other loved ones, um, even, you know, for me being a mom of minor children, even, you know, a babysitter perhaps that I might have come frequently. So someone I'm comfortable with that comes and watches my kids frequently, I might even give her view only access. So there's, there's you, you, you of course need edit access. And then there's your small circle who supports you, people in your family, your loved ones, people you've named in your plan, adult children, your advisors, your attorneys, your accountant, you can add them as collaborators where they can just simply see what's there. Because again, we're about transparency and open communication. They don't, of course, need to edit anything. You don't want them to edit anything. This is your legacy you're capturing and organizing here, but your family members and other ones that you would deem appropriate have that collaboration or view only access really at any time that you want to give it. And then anytime it might be appropriate to remove access, you can also do that. So organize my legacy is really ideal for the, the person, the parent, the single individual, the business owner, or the couple who says, you know, I either already have a plan, but I know for certain the people named in my plan or my kids don't actually know what it says or what I intend by it. That's most of us out there if we've done a plan at all. So it's ideal for you, or if it's ideal for you, if you're just now beginning kind of this process of estate planning, like we saw with a lot of the attendees at Generational Wealth, they're beginning this process. They know it's important. They're ready to do it. And so it, in a way, it's ideal even for you in that place, go ahead and get started. You don't need to start with an attorney first just to get access to the vault. You can start on the vault, also call Generational Wealth Solutions, get that scheduled, and then you're you're off to the races and getting everything organized and signed and complete. So in Generational Wealth, just for those of you listening, we have the, actually, we took the workshop, which is at the end of April, or I mean, the end of October, sorry about that. And we really put the right team together because normally people who do these conferences, um, I think you'd agree, Bonnie, is mostly folks like you that are, that are state lawyers. Well, not quite like you because you're not traditional. You're more on the software <laughs> side. Um, so they're usually the one hosting, getting people to sign for trusts and explain the difference between a will and a trust. Uh, but the other people that are critical, like you said, is just somebody who can navigate, which is what I feel like I do, you know, as the kind of leading strategy and conversations, really, of what do you need to talk about that might not be comfortable to talk about. And then there's you, obviously, you know, Scott, generational wealth systems and our uh, the actually documentation of the entities and trust. There's also, though, the tax 
strategist, which is very vital um, because if you do gifting during the year, like in 2022, you can do 16,000 in gifting. Uh, that all has to be tracked. And then the big finale, which is proper life insurance and that heading to usually irrevocable trust, sometimes, you know, revocable, depending on how people set that up. Talk a little bit about the, you know, what I called the Power Five team uh, during the Generational Wealth Conference. And again, for those of you that are listening, we're just finishing, uh, and this is December 2022 putting that into an actual course where you're guided through this big legacy uh, journal, and then you have access to uh, connect with Bonnie in the vault and all of that. But why are all those people necessary? <laughs> Excuse me. And more importantly, why do they need to talk to each other? Because I think that that is, in my experience, the biggest disaster that's out there for most families. No one talks. Right. Right. No, a team is absolutely necessary. If you're wanting the certainty that your plan is actually going to work as intended, that's really what it comes down to. You can do what you think is a plan. You can sit down with just an attorney, get some documents signed, yet none of your assets over here, life insurance or anything else is appropriately updated in a, in sync with your estate plan. You could do that. You have a plan. I promise you it's not going to work out how you intend. So you need both the planning done plus the confidence that will work out as you intend, which involves more than one person's mind on on the question. It involves more than an attorney. As an attorney, I can't help you with your tax decisions. As an attorney, I'm not the one helping you with life insurance, whether it's, you know, to cover an estate tax liability or um, a way to leave a certain amount, you know, in a blended family situation. That's when I see life insurance used a lot. There's so many different ways to use life insurance. As an attorney, I'm not helping you do that. There are key areas. And you mentioned four, and then you as a navigator make the fifth. You, you need the attorney. You need the business system set up for those business owners. You need life insurance and you need the taxes and you need someone who knows how to bring the team together. So every single one of those five are absolutely critical, not only for you again, to have the plan, but to have the confidence that the plan will work as intended. There's really no other way. And like, like you mentioned, I have been to lots of conferences. I, I've spoken at others where it's just more of a suggestion. Well, make sure you talk to your tax person, make sure you right. talk to your insurance person. What is the likelihood that person who's hearing that is ever going to do that? And then not only that, but that those people are going to talk to each other practically zero. I've seen it a lot. So you need a team that's purposely designed to show up for someone and say, hey, we work together in this way. You don't have to try to coordinate our schedules. You don't have to try to introduce us. You don't have to try to get us on a three-way call, nothing like that. We're already doing that for you to make sure your plan works as intended. So Bonnie, talk about the cost of this. I think a lot of people... Uh... You know, they actually don't know what it costs. They don't know that it is affordable. And uh, and maybe in that talk about the different cost structures, because there's not just a trust, there's a will, there's a pour over will, the components that they pay for uh, in the cost. Yes. So there's the cost, of course, of the planning itself. And really the way I like to think about cost of this type of planning. So whether it's the corporate planning, the estate planning, you know, which typically go hand in hand. If you're not paying something now that is reflective of someone's expertise, time spent working with you, personalizing and tailoring your plan, if you're not paying for some amount now where that's what you're getting, I promise you, your family is going to be paying a lot more dollars wise, let alone just the intangible cost of the, of the stress and that kind of thing. Your family is going to be paying a lot more in probate fees to a judge, a stranger, someone you don't know who's also making decisions about you and your family and your assets. You're going to be paying a lot more in likely taxes that you didn't plan to avoid or minimize. You're going to be paying a lot more in attorney fees down the line. So think about it where 
this is something that you're going to have to pay for regardless. Do you want it to be some unknown, potentially likely high amount to people that you've never met before down the line that your family has to deal with? Or do you want to sit down and actually do it now, find advisors who work well together, who work well with you, who you like working with, and actually pay them for their expertise and their guidance? And then ultimately, the actual legal documents underpinning the plan to make sure the plan is ship shape and doesn't have any holes in it. So be mindful when you're thinking about costs. You certainly do not go online and do fill in the blank, you know, print out your will right here in, in your, you know, in your home office type thing. That That is a plan with, with hundreds of holes in it. So that being said, the organize my legacy again, that's not legal services. You don't produce documents. That's not a fill in the blank will or trust. Organize my legacy is your way to say, I, I have my stuff somewhere, like it's in a file. It's in, uh, you know, again, maybe a safe deposit box. It's in my home safe. It's, you know, in an email thread, a deed is attached to an email thread somewhere. You've got stuff. Why not bring it digital and organize it in one place that is accessible and easy and comprehensive? And so that's organize my legacy. That's $19 a month. For families. So for 19 a month, you can go ahead and go on, start that, share it with your advisors from there. And it's possible, depending on who you do hire as an attorney or advisor, like generational wealth systems, that they may even cover the cost of the vault for you thereafter once you actually engage their services. Of course, I can't promise that. That's whoever you do work with, but you can start now. And it's something that's very easy and accessible at 19 a month. And talk about the components of the estate planning. I'd mentioned, you know, there's a there's a trust and a will. And as you know, there's a lot of conflict, a lot of misinformation all over this lovely thing called the bathroom wall, the internet, where anybody can write anything. And unfortunately, there are lawyers who just say, because I have several clients right now in their 70s, and they said, no, I, I totally, this was my family friend. And he said, a will is enough. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not. So talk about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that one is just, I want to shake their little head and say, it doesn't got to work like that. No, uh, so will, <laughs> a will is a funny thing. I mean, there, there are probably more myths around wills and what they do that, that are wrong than like any other topic I've encountered in, in my career. A will is absolutely not enough at a minimum here. I'll just give you the bare minimum at a minimum. You need a will and a revocable trust. The trust is just like the will, but it keeps you out of court. So nobody wants to be in court. I promise it. So just say, I know I need a will and a trust. Also at a minimum, you need a power of attorney to handle your finances and make medical decisions for you in those moments when you're alive, but can't do that yourself for whatever reason. And if you're parents of minor children, like I am, you absolutely need guardianship for your kids. By the way, what is happening in these documents, will, trust, powers of attorney and guardianship are choices choices you make choices. You're saying, this is what I want. This is my will. That's where the word will actually comes from. This is my last will. The last time I checked in and put it on paper, this is what I want to happen. That's what all, all these documents are doing. Now, imagine you don't have any of them or they're poorly written and have holes. Somebody has to make the decision. So if you didn't do it in advance, who's doing that? It turns out, even if you're married, like I'm married, if something happens to me, it's not my husband. He has no legal authority to come in and say, this is what Bonnie wants and, and force banks to listen to him and force doctors to listen to him. He, even as my spouse does not have that authority. The only person who has authority is a probate judge, a stranger to you. That's the only person. So if you don't do it in your own documents and have it a bare minimum, will trust powers of attorney and guardianship, you're forcing a stranger to look at your situation, who, by the way, is going to look at it for maybe 30 minutes and then make a judgment call about your kids, about your assets, about your end of life. Oh, scary. How often, in your opinion, do these need to be caught up? 
and maybe not just, I, I know a lot of people say, well, every three years, look at it, but mm -hmm. let's not talk about the, the time of it. What are the, what are the, um, <clears throat> the kind of situations in life that, that you need to make sure you go update? I mean, obviously marriage or divorce or a death. Um, yes. Yeah. What, what, are, what are the other times that just, it makes a lot of sense to get in there and update? Cause I don't think it's just, oh, every three years. No, certainly not based on a time frame. Now you may want to decide that, you know, maybe every six months or every year you sit down and look at this list of say 26 examples of things that can happen in life. Uh, you know, cause I know you're not thinking about it every single day, but things that would prompt an update to your plan. And I, I shouldn't even say prompt an update things that prompt that should prompt you to pick up the phone and call your attorney or your advisor to just say, Hey, this happened. What do I need to, to know? What do we need to do? Things like changing a job. Cause now you have changed, uh, you know, retirement or life insurance, starting a business, uh, ending a business anyone named in your plan who you don't want named to serve in that role anymore. So that's just simply a preference change, not necessarily a major life event or occurrence that happens in a moment. Of course, if any one of those people named in your plan becomes incapacitated or passes away, or they're simply too old to, to, you know, reliably perform in the role, that kind of thing, you need to update it. If you have another kiddo, you need to update it. If a child develops special needs, if any child develops any sort of kind of what you might call a lifestyle disability, where maybe they, their inheritance needs a little bit more protection than your other children, that's when you need to sit down and consider an update to your plan. So what I do with my clients is, and it's not, again, not dependent on you only look at it once a year and every other day of the year is totally fine. It's not that, but I do have an automated email and it goes out annually on the signing date of their estate plan. And I say, it's our annual check-in. If any of the following things, and again, I mentioned I have 26 right now on that list. If any of the following things have happened since we last spoke, not since a year ago, not since three years ago, but just since we last spoke, if any of these happen, pick up the phone and call me. We'll talk through it. Maybe it's just as simple as make sure you fill out your beneficiary form on that life insurance policy properly. The client does it and they're good to go. And it was just a phone call for me. Maybe they're telling me though something that is has a bigger legal effect, like taking somebody named in a plan fully out and putting somebody else's name in. Then I will actually go through a meeting process with them to actually then amend or restate the documents as needed. So it's definitely not one and done. Don't put it on a shelf and let 20, 50 years pass and it gathers dust and now somebody's pulling it out and your wishes from 50 years ago are they're now trying to apply to today. That's never gonna turn out well. Absolutely. Bonnie, it's been great to have you here and share your information. Uh, what would you like our listeners to do to follow up with you? And then I'll give you uh, listeners again, our asklaurel.com is a place where you can ask a question, make a request and uh, go check out uh, generationalwealthsolutions.com where Scott and I have a company that can get you started and connect you to Bonnie as well. Yep. Thank you, Laurel. It was a delight to be here. So if you're listening, if this sounds important to you at all, go check everything out at organizemylegacy.com. You can get started right there, or you can also contact me through the website and ask any questions that you might have. Awesome. Bonnie, thank you. And those of you listening to uh, Laurel's Real Money podcast, we'll be back next week with another episode of another amazing person to share their insights and some really valuable information as we head into 2023. Have a great holiday. Bonnie, thank you. Thank you, Laurel. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. 
Want to learn more about off Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week. Every week.